Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian-developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, everyone. I am joined by Henry Winter this afternoon, Chief Football Writer of The Times. Henry, thanks so much for taking the time in what I imagine has been a fairly hectic few days. It's been a good few days. It's been fantastic to see the response from everyone in uh, in football. I don't think even VAR has united everyone in opposition to something as as this. I mean, you and your fans have been fantastic. I was out on road on Monday night, and there was a group of your fans there, um, and the Leeds fans. You know, normally it's fairly tribal. You know, you know what English football's all about. It's all about tribalism. But actually, the uh, unanimity, the collectivity on this has been very uplifting, and not simply amongst the fans, but Jamie Carragher, Gary Neville, you know, ex-players Jordan Henderson. I thought it was fantastic, but then that doesn't surprise me knowing Jordan. We saw what he did during the, the pandemic. I think Trent Alexander-Arnold said something as well. And I think for players to do this, going against your paymasters, you know, that is, it's it's not brave, but I actually felt that it's, you know, they stood up when uh, when they needed to and obviously the manager as well so uh, uh, I mean even you know the future king of the country and even Boris Johnson who I can't imagine is too popular in your neck of the woods anyway I mean even he whether it's political reasons or for genuine reasons even he has stood up to be counted on this one so uh, actually I think I found it fairly uplifting 22 hours. I, I must admit, I, I said I'm probably as tired as I've been, and I've got two kids, so I've been very tired for the last nine years. But the um, I, I I do I feel quite invigorated at the same time. I feel I feel t- fatigued yet energetic because you're right. There's something that's quite. I feel buoyed by that notion. You're right. It's the first time, and I, we were referring to the fact that you know, eleven years ago when we started this sort of project, Liverpool were under uh, ownership protests. You know, people were gathering outside the ground to protest, but you know the a lot of these platforms that have been used over the last 48 hours simply didn't exist a decade ago. Uh, and I think it's been quite encouraging to see you, right, that that unification across football, because it doesn't happen, you're right, tribalism, I think tribalism's Problem's fun, you know, and 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 the 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 the, the reaction between fan base is great. If we all felt the same things, it would be a bit dull. But there are certain issues that that, that should transcend, and this is absolutely one of them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm fortunate. I spent a lot of time going to supporters groups and, and talking to them all over the country. Obviously, a lot of it is on Zoom at the moment. And one of the things I say to them, possibly in a slightly sort of arrogant way, is that cause I, went, I was at school in Germany as a kid and, you know, went to, uh, I was unfortunate, I got Bayern Munich's one poor season in their sort of 100 odd year history. But, you know, you, you look at the, to the German clubs now and there's actually, there's strong connections between the supporters groups of each club 
and they will absolutely demonstrate on certain things. Look, Liverpool's a very good club, and we, you know, in terms of the supporters, we've seen it on issues with ticket pricing and the furloughing in the past. So that's fantastic. But I've always felt supporters in this country uh, as not as militant because actually they're more focused on tribalism, the next game, manager, who we're going to sign, and all that. Whereas actually the German fans, you know, whether it's fifty plus one, whether it's uh, turning their back on the team and the and the owners if the uh, if they're unhappy with ticket prices or simply not turning up i think they're more militant so i've often talked to supporters groups and look, it's easy for journalists to come in and say well you should be doing this but actually i think what we've seen the power of all the football supporters combining to fight the enemy within as you say has been has been very uplifting yeah it's um how would you say it's been it's been sort of received today because obviously we well we farm closer to the liverpool side of things of course and i i i you know, you, you a lot of this filters in. It, it just does. It, it has to because of how big it's been. Um, but yeah, how how are you feeling? This has been generally received because it, it. I I didn't. I personally did not meet a single person who was for this. So I, I certainly haven't come across anyone who is upset by the by the collapse of the Super League. I was doing an American radio program earlier today, and it was quite interesting. The reaction from there was was for for, for some of the people on the program was actually, hang on a sec, this is a really good idea. Why should, we're actually talking about Chelsea after the demonstrations last night, why should uh, a Chelsea fan who lives near the ground be any more important than a Chelsea fan who lives in Miami or, or Vegas? And my argument to, to them was, well, hell, sir, those Chelsea fans were there during the dark years of hooliganism when fans were coming out of grounds with sort of darts in their noses, when fans were sort of treated appallingly um and those fans will be there through thick and thin so i'm going to stand up for these what the american bankers rather patronizingly called legacy fans and i think that's that's highlighted it and look i'm very fortunate i've been going to match after match i think i've done about 130 odd games behind closed doors in the past year and if one thing football has learned in the past year is the, how vitally important fans are so for john w henry and FSG to, to not realize the importance of fans. I mean, I don't need to tell you about the work that, you know, your fans have been doing, Ian Byrne, people like that with, uh, with food banks. That's a long established thing. But, you know, Liverpool fans have got a history of sort of rallying to the cause at times of adversity. And they've been fantastic during the pandemic. And, you know, at a time when you really wanted to be in Anfield to support the team against Real Madrid. I was there for that game and, you know, an empty cot, there were two stewards on it, whereas normally it would be this, you know, heaving mass as Barcelona found out. And, you know, you, and you weren't there for the title to be lifted. You know, I felt for Jordan Henderson, the proudest moment in his life, obviously along with the Champions League, and the supporters weren't there. And that is why these owners, these distant owners, need more dialogue with fans. They need to appreciate more that you are the lifeblood of the club. For John W. Henry to realise that actually what is Anfield? It's bricks and mortar with a really nice lawn, but it's nothing without the fans. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I just wonder about this because obviously we talk about the you know football without fans is is nothing, and of course because if you've got no eyes on your product, there's no one, there's nothing, you know, you've got nothing to sell. But I I do wonder how much of this stems from the the pandemic, and obviously financially it stems from the pandemic. But how much maybe people removed not non lovers of the sport have looked at it and gone, well, football survived without people in the stands. We've got as long as we've got that audience globally. You know, and, and is that maybe something the way they go, well, we can get away with this because there's always going to be fans around the globe who are going to buy shirts and they're going to buy memberships and, and those kind of things? 
five years ago when the Telegraph put me on gardening leave when I was going to the Times, I decided to write a book on England. It didn't do very well, but then that was probably echoing England at the time. But part, I went out to see Stephen Gerrard in LA just to talk to him about, um, about England and, and the issues and why the so-called golden generation were having, having issues that they weren't simply delivering as he did say in Istanbul, issues like that. And um, so I went and talked to him and I got up early the next morning and went into a very nice pub called The King's Head in Santa Monica. And they opened at six o'clock in the morning. And I spent a day there for the book, basically, just finding out why overseas was very nice. I was only on coffee. Not. Um, <laughs> it, it, was uh, it was just just to find out the interest, the overseas interest in English football and why there was Premier League game after Premier League game. Now, like there were expat fans coming in watching their team and all that. But a lot of the American fans, you know, the locals were there because they wanted to see the sport, but they wanted to see the spectacle. And you are the spectacle. The supporters, the backdrop, absolutely huge. For that overseas television market, as well as the domestic market, the backdrop, where am I going? Where am I going tonight? Villa Park. So like they want to see a full halt end. You know, they want to see sort of Jack Grealish standing in front of the whole tent, just sort of getting 15,000 Villa fans singing. They want that for year upon year. I'm, to be honest, I've, I've written this so many times, I'm sort of I'm turning into a cliche when I talk about it, that the fans should get something more back, whether that's in reduced ticket prices or whether that's in easier travel to away games, more away ticket allocations, because you are very much part of, to use one of John W. Henry's phrases, the product and fans should absolutely should be reflecting that so coming back to the essential point absolutely the whole thing about um the super league was about the overseas television viewer but that overseas television viewer and those broadcasters want they want to see Mo Salah they want to see Trent Alexander-Arnold bombing forward they want to see sort of Allison's great saves but they also they want to see a full cop and they want the the English fans local fans fans in the ground, the match-going fans, the legacy fans, however patronizingly J.P. Morgan might um, call you, you are vital. Yeah. Uh, just let's just talk about the Super League and how this kind of comes about over the last sort of few days and what have you. You know, 12 of the 20 teams are announced. There's nothing on how the extra five are actually going to gain their place, the merit on which they are placed into this, this Super League. There's a half-formed logo that looks like it was made in weird art on Windows 95. Yeah. Um, there's a template website that was thrown together by some PR company. There's no trophy. There's not. There's nothing. There's nothing there. There's no sense of emotion around it. There's no. There's no feel of what it really is. There's no sizzle reel. There's no. There's nothing. How does that? How do, how is that allowed to go? How are they allowed to go to market with that? Who thought that was a reasonable a reasonable idea to launch? Then and is this just because of UEFA's plans were coming in and they, they felt pressure to do it? Then I, I don't buy that. I don't buy that this was all posturing and saber rattling to uh, to upset to to sort of almost force UEFA to give them more money because you knew that wasn't the case the moment they started withdrawing from senior positions in the European Clubs Association and within UEFA itself that you knew the moment that uh, they scrambled all over the place in the UK and in uh, Italy and Spain and got PR companies, pretty hopeless PR companies, um, that, you know, this was a serious, serious um, issue. I don't buy that this was just as posturing. Look, 
uh, Ed Woodward has effectively paid with his uh, with his job for uh, the miscalculation on this. So I think it's because you've got um, fundamentally American owners driving this, and their background, their franchises, their sporting in interests are in leagues which don't have promotion and relegation. They've never been able to understand this. I mean, I talked to some of my colleagues in the American media, and they still find it absolutely extraordinary. You could spend all this money and then risk going down. And that sentiment is echoed in the in the boardrooms of the American-owned clubs. So after with the pandemic, with the cost of wages and all and all that, they obviously decided we need to start recouping some more money. And look, with respect to John W. Henry, he didn't grow up with pictures of, I don't know what age is, with Kenny Dalglish or whoever on his wall growing up in, in Boston. You know, he probably had pictures of Gordon Gecko or some Wall Street banker or whatever. So that is, that is his background. And this is a battle over the last 72 hours that has been 10, 15 years in the waiting and probably in the making, uh, particularly from the Glazers who came in at Manchester United in 2005. I've seen the Glazers close up. They are not a pleasant breed. They are there for the money. And John W. Henry, although he comes over slightly more eloquently and warmly, and whenever you've, I've seen him at, uh, at Anfield, he looks sort of engaged. I think he just showed his hand in the last 72 hours about what he's really about, and it's dollars. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I want to pick up pick up on that certainly actually because I think that's a, that's actually quite an interesting notion. I get your take on on the the difference almost. But my the thing that astonishes me on this is and linking it into Henry's apology when he talks about like this would never have happened without you know without the support of fans it was never going to be a, be a thing which reads as incredibly hollow to me regardless. But why is the if that's the case? How 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 do you launch without any sort of PR? With no, you know where's the where was the PR campaign? Why was there no one talking about who was who? You should have you need representatives. Every company on planet Earth has got spokespeople. It can't surely have been the plan is just to let Florentino Perez be the only person to front this up. What why why do you think they've, that 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 was? Because it feels to me as though it it was a you know it looks like half an idea. Uh, you know, and what was ultimately presented? Arrogance. It's simple arrogance. These people think they're masters of the universe and they've been given a bloody nose. They're sitting in Boston or the Everglades or Denver and they think they can run English football. And you know, they they pick the wrong sport, to paraphrase a, a, a famous sort of Liverpool uh, expression. Um, they pick the wrong group of people. They, I mean, I think John W. Henry, just listening to him, I think he was actually fairly shocked by the, uh, the intensity of the reaction, not simply from the supporters, but from, from, across, the, uh, from across the country, from all levels of uh, society, politicians, future monarchs, you know, copites, media. I thought uh, Carragher in his column in the in the Telegraph and and his sparring with with Gary Neville. I thought that was fantastic television. And you have to remember that in the last, well, this year in particular, there's been a lot of scrutiny on the bad side of social media. Obviously, the racist abuse that players get, and we're writing all the time, and you're campaigning, and the players quite rightly are, are pointing this out 
to, to Twitter and Instagram and Facebook that they have to be stronger on these things. But actually, we've seen the good side of social media in the last 72 hours, because I think that particularly at talking to, to Chelsea fans, that spread, that news spread pretty quickly that there were fans gathering outside Stamford Bridge last night. And it wasn't simply Chelsea fans turning up. It was fans who were concerned about the future of English football, the support that, you know, you and I and, and so many people in this country love. And they turned up to show their support. I think that so, so much of this has been fought out in a way on social media. I mean, you only got to have a look at uh, JP Morgan's um, social media feeds to realise that I think, I think half of your, your mates in Liverpool have, have been on there and calling them out. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, that's a, a nod of respect to social media, which rightly takes a, a, a lot of criticism for its uh, lax governance. Yeah, there's probably a lot of Domino's pizza and bottles of pop tin <laughs> up at the offices of J.P. Morgan today. I, I, I remember that when Staten and Waldorf, I remember when they hit Hicks and Gillette, and I think all their, uh, their advisors were getting pizzas, yeah. The Domino. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. The dominoes effect we call that from from now on. Um, the um, yeah, I I just thought it was it was it was crazy and it's mad. We we had a little chat uh, prior to recording about you know about the attitude and you've kind of you kind of hinted at it there in terms of uh, you know Liverpool's owners and you know the thing that caught us I think that caught us most by surprise and look. It sounds silly to sit here and talk about surprise when venture capitalists act <laughs> like venture capitalists. Like we shouldn't, there should be no shock. But yeah. the the shock, I think, more from Liverpool perspective and fans' perspective is because. Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I think that the general belief is that Liverpool are quite a well-run football club. You know, as far as things go, you know, in terms of the ownership, you know, in the absence of, of sugar daddies, in the absence of people who are going to pour endless funds into the club with no with no hope of return, you know, that Liverpool being a pretty self-sustainable business model, Liverpool get into a position where they compete, having the right people involved with the club. You know, I'm sure you've, you, you'll have uh, come up against, uh, alongside Tony Barrett many a time down the years, but appointing, appointing Tony to the club like a masterstroke and all, and all these things... When you see it from Manchester United, what I'm driving at was you see it with the Glazers, who've been they've been protesting against the Glazers since day one, and you see the, the how the finances the finances are run of that football club. It's expected, and when you see it from Real Madrid, it's expected, and when you hear it from Barcelona, it's it, not so much as Madrid, but it's still expected. 
it blindsided a lot of Liverpool fans, I think, because it's easy to know when... It was easy with Hicks and Gillette because it was obvious and it had been mm. obvious for a long time that they were shysters, but it didn't... It, that you understand what I'm kind of what the kind of point I'm trying to yeah. make here. It, it it was hard I think to fathom, and that's why I think there's a, a greater sense of betrayal from Liverpool fans over this maybe than the other the other fans of football clubs. I think the the direction of travel under uh, John W. Henry over the last was it decade now. I think it's been maybe less than that. I mean, it's been pretty pretty positive. You look at the uh, you know the the mess that they inherited. They, uh, I mean, you go into that main stand there, that's been improved. I've been to Kirby to the training grounds. I know maybe there are one or two issues there, but I think that, you know, they. I love Melwood. I've been going to Melwood for almost 30 years now. It's just, you know, it is, it is such a special place. Um, but, you know, they, they, they needed to move and I can, I can understand that. Look, they've made mistakes along the way, the, the furloughing, the ticketing, issues like that. Um, but I think on the whole, I mean, I, I see and hear... You know, and I don't live locally, but I see in here a lot of calls for them to leave. But I think first, who's going to come in? Who is going to pay three billion pounds after a pandemic into a sport which uh, where if they thought they were going to bring a European Super League in, that's not going to happen for a couple of years. So the investors are going to go come in and deal with the financial status quo, which at the moment is is an issue with with players wages and, and the pandemic, the fans not having come in. So. I can't see John W. Henry selling up. Okay, so the vital thing is, is that if there are some good people around him, you mentioned Tony Barrett, and I don't know how much access Tony has to John W. Henry or his advisors, but you listen to someone like Tony Barrett. I mean, I was fortunate, I mean, he was at the, the, the Times when I joined, I've got so much time for, uh, for, for, for Tony. He's a, uh, and a lot of this, you know, people have been, so I, I've deliberately, while I've been writing, just made sure I said owners rather than clubs, you know, the six, Clubs, because actually, the clubs, in a way, are the innocents in all this. The supporters, the staff, so many staff, good people, uh, to, at the training ground and at the ground. The people who work on the the foundation, doing amazing things. The players, the work they've been doing, as, as we've talked about, for food banks and everything like that. These are good people. So the club is not rotten to the core. It's the issue is with the owners, with a couple of individuals. So do you get rid of them, or do you try and? re-educate can you re-educate venture capitalists i'm not so sure but if you're smart and everyone tells me that john w henry is smart and look he's made a couple of billion or whatever so he must be fairly bright he will think he will listen he will i hope there's some look, i i can't see 50 plus one coming into this country for, for for many reasons i can't believe that you would have a tory government would effectively hand over private businesses to a sportage you're not going to go into sainsbury's and give it give, give ownership or share of sainsbury's to the to the guy in aisle seven I, I really i just can't see that but i do think there is an appetite for uh, board representation. And Spirit of Shankly, you, you, you obviously know well. I mean, I know Ian Byrne, mainly because obviously he's now a you know, distinguished MP and doing amazing work down in Westminster. But the, uh, but the work he's always done, I would always pass and have a chat with him you know, at, the, at the food bank behind the, the Anfield Road. Um, you know, someone like him, if he was a board representative, and I think he's on the committee at Spirit of Shankly. So... It, so, so I know he's a busy man, uh, you know, obviously, but if he if he was occasionally in on a board representations, he would be an early warning system to actually say, no, it's stupid. And look, if you're if you're an intelligent businessman, you have to bring 
the supporters with you if you're going to bring anything through. And that's what the lesson I hope for John W. Henry in the last uh, three days has been. Communicate, more dialogue. I mean, a, a, a club that I cover, like Arsenal, I mean, if you think you're having problems with John W. Henry, talk to your counterparts at Arsenal because silent Stan, Stan Kroenke is worse. Yeah. Well, this is actually, this is this is kind of the point I'm, I'm making here is that, that that's why I think it's so difficult, and there'll be a lot of Liverpool fans. I think the vast majority of, of us, and particularly local fans, haven't been so radicalised under the Hicks and Gillette regime, are more than prepared to 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 go back to the barricades if need if needs be. But you know, I think there'll be a lot of fans, you know, you know, beyond and you know, globally and, and you know, and locally uh, locally too, will won't be able to understand why. There's a fight for this because, as I say, by compared to Arsenal, you know, uh, you know, FSG look like say compared to the Glazers, yeah. they look far far better in terms of all the issues and without getting into any sticky legal territory, of course. But you know, several owners of other top football clubs who some who are involved have been involved in this, some who haven't. The, the FSG, are, are, you know, are the lesser of a lot of those evils. Um, but it's it, it, yeah, it's going to be a fascinating turn to see what 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 comes comes next from it. And I suppose that 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 question remains on it of the John of the John W Henry and FSG. H- how do you you know you've mentioned a couple of ideas there, but do you think it's possible? Do you think it's possible to win back trust in in, in a in a situation like this because? That is that for a start. The Super League is. Just, I mean, ideologically, you know. I know you know you know from Liverpool, but you know you mentioned it plenty of times. Even from an outside perspective, I'm sure you can recognise that ideologically that would ring that would ring a few warning bells for for a lot of Liverpoolians, not just Liverpool fans. Yeah, I mean, all fans. I mean, no one wants a closed shop. No one wants grassroots clubs to be uh, to, to, to close down because all the money is being uh, concentrated at uh, an elite few at the uh, the top. You don't want anyone else to, to to join their party. No, I think all fans have been fantastic on this. I mean, Liverpool fans, as I expected, would would be manning the the, the barricades. But I, in a way, I just hope that John W. Henry, actually, if he's got any sense, if he's got and of any advice around him, if he's got 30 seconds on the phone with, with Tony Barrett or Matt McCann, who are good people, who love the club, who work hard for the club, I've not spoken to them in the last 72 hours because it's kind of like I don't want to intrude on their private grief, but I bet they're absolutely broken because they're, they're so proud about the club and the achievements, particularly in recent years. And to have this, to have this wretched own goal thrown at them from on high, when it could have been prevented with a 30-second uh, Zoom with Matt McCann or Tony Barrett, um, I just that's got to be the way forward. And if you're John W. Henry, and if you're contrition and your mayor culpa and that slightly sort of surreal setting, which looked like he was in a crematorium, um, <laughs> if he is clean and COVID permitting, he comes over here and he comes on your program. He comes on, he goes in, into the training ground. He talk, He looks Jordan Henderson in the eye and says, sorry, I screwed up. Help me get this right. Help me move it forward. He's got to rebuild trust, not just only with supporters, but with the players, with Jurgen Klopp. Jurgen Klopp must have been absolutely seething about this, particularly someone who comes from Germany, who has the values that he has. He wouldn't have appreciated something like this. And also, particularly, as he was effectively made to be the scapegoat to actually go and represent the club and actually have to... I'm sure his instinctive feelings are he absolutely hates it. I mean, he said, what did he say? Look, I've talked against this 500 times. So he's got to to actually apologise in person, John W. Henry, and sit down with these people 
and just say, you know, it's not it's not difficult. Okay, as you say, venture capitalists they want to make money, but you can make money and actually bring people along with you. And actually, if there is more of an emotional connection between the supporters and the management, the ownership of the club, well, actually, maybe those fans will go into the uh, the, the club shop more often. Maybe will they'll invest emotionally and financially more in in supporting the team. Um, but he's got to come over and he's got to face the music. Cronky won't, the Glazers won't, but I think John W. Henry should be above those group. Yeah, let's certainly hope so on that. Um, can I just get your take on the, um, what were your thoughts when you saw um, Jordan Henderson's reaction to this? No surprise at all. I mean, I've, you know, I was fortunate to interview Jordan during lockdown, I think just before Christmas. I think he was going for Sports Personality of the Year. So I went up to see him and I've known Jordan a, a long time. I know his values. Um, but, well, you know, what he told me at the time, because we were talking a lot about, you know, the sort of the year he's had in terms of the title, but also about the pandemic and his reaction to the, 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 the pandemic and what he did with the, the players together and sort of getting all the sort of captains on site to raise money for the NHS. And he was talking about, well, I, mean, I said, have you got any members of your family who, you know, have had COVID or whatever? And he said, he started talking very powerfully about his cousin who works frontline NHS up in Sunderland. And he, he talks, I mean, when Jordan talks, it's like when he plays, it's just, you let the tape run, you just, you experience what he's saying. And he, he spoke so powerfully about his cousin. One of her jobs was to, job, you can't really call it a job. One of her, one of her juices, responsibilities in a way, was to have to hold up the iPhone to a dying relative so that they could say goodbye to their family. And that, so Jordan is a, is a man with a good moral compass. His parents have instilled that in him. He's got that himself. And I think he represents Liverpool in completely the right way. So coming, it's a very long way, winded way of coming back to your, uh, long and winding road, coming back to your, uh, to your point is that I wasn't surprised at all because I know um, other captains who rang Jordan and they would, they would, during the uh, during the pandemic, when they were doing the, 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 all the sort of captains and the players together, and then one of them said to Jordan, um, "Where where are you uh, when they were doing this uh, phone call?" He said, oh, "I'm on the treadmill. I want to keep my fitness up, so I'm doing all my call." And this was typical Jordan. He was working hard to stay fit for when the football resumed, and yet he was sort of juggling all these captains together. So, no, look, you've got a real leader, and I know how much you appreciate Jordan, and I think he's been properly appreciated as a footballer, better technically than, than, than people think. For me, he's a starter for England, let alone as, as well as a starter for Liverpool. And I just think we need more people like Jordan Henderson and James Milner and Trent Alexander and, and Virgil van Dijk, people like that in, 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 in the game. That the sport would be a better place, particularly if the owners talk to people like that. This, this cliche, everyone says, read the room. Why didn't they read the room? Read the dressing room as well. Have a word with Jordan Henderson. Have a word with Trent Alexander-Arnold or his, or his brother Tyler and you know people who care about the community, care about the club. Yeah, no, absolutely. And just, um, Emery, if you don't mind, I kind of want to come on to what sort of comes next here because you know there's a great sense of relief you know, a, a battle's been won with this. You know, people celebrating it, but it, it felt very bittersweet last night. I'll be, I'll be honest, because you know, a, a, amid all of this, of course, all the focus has been on this terrible, terrible Super League idea and the people behind it and the, and the efforts to to call it to an end. Meanwhile, UEFA 
are unveiling their plans for an additional 100 Champions League games. You've got the Conference League's going to be starting. Jürgen Klopp referenced this in, in his interviews. You know, there's there's a plans for the Club World Cup to be a 24-team tournament more regularly, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. This isn't this isn't doesn't end with the Super League, does it? I mean, I think that the fans have won the battle, but not yet the war. They'll be back. As you say, venture capitalists does what it says on the tin. They're here to make money and they will be back and they'll keep going until they get their money. The issue for English football is to try and guide them in the right way, to actually say, have the fans on side and actually then just just do it with dialogue, do it with communication, do it with respect. And I mean, I agree with you on the Champions League thing. I mean, I think probably UEFA probably quite enjoyed having three days of focus on the Super League plotters and this new thing coming. But look, everyone's been raising issues with, with the Swiss model, Swiss system. I, I don't like it at all. But in a way, that, that kind of argument ended the moment it wasn't simply the champions going into the, uh, into yeah. the European Cup. So, yeah, look, I'm not a fan of that. But if it, if it keeps football together... Uh, if it keeps the, the pyramid in, in shape, the European pyramid, as well as the English domestic pyramid, then that is, then that's, that's key and it's a price to pay. I mean, it's one of those things, isn't it, where you end up morally on the wrong, on the wrong side and UEFA and FIFA end up with the moral high ground. That should be a pretty obvious warning that you've got something a little bit wrong. Yeah, completely, particularly with FIFA as well. I mean, oh, the, the, amount, the, the amount of column inches I've written on uh, the, the joys of FIFA's uh, morality. I just think what this has shown is the power of good values and the fact that there are people. There is a strong resistance movement in this country, whether it's led by Jordan Henderson or Jurgen Klopp or Pep Guardiola or... Alex Ferguson came out, and I think it's the first time he's ever spoken out against the, the Glazers or certainly their, their ideas. The resistance movement is there on television with Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher. I hope it's there in, in the printed world that, that, that I exist, and it's certainly there in the sort of supporters, fans channels like yours, which have been so important in spreading the, the, the message and almost operating like an early warning system for uh, for the sort you know the uh, the ills of the owners. Um, mm. So yeah, I think football football's reaction is a good place, and that is so slightly heartening. And I, I'm sorry if you haven't been getting so much sleep, but actually I slept quite well last night actually because I I, 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 mean, I don't sleep much during the football season anyway. So this is no time, and I think that's what the cricket season was invented for. Good snooze. But I just think it's, I, I just, I've been actually I don't want to be patronising, but I've actually been really pr- proud of the way that footballs responded to to these venture capitalists. Yeah, no, definitely it definitely bodes well. I think it was the first example in, in particularly in the new media age where you can see the genuine benefits of people being able to to get together. If there's one thing that um that the pandemic's given us is greater access to Zoom and Skype <laughs> and yeah <laughs> organizing this kind of stuff, certainly. Um well listen, Henry, thank you so much for taking the time um to talk to us. Much appreciated. And yeah, uh, at some point I'm sure the adrenaline will, will will wear off and it will be time for a very big sleep on this. But yeah, maybe 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 in a day or two but yeah I, I imagine there will be there will be a, a very good documentary about this I imagine somewhere down the line Wow there, there certainly will it, it will have a Wild West theme to it with the Americans involved but if I can say one final thing before I go matches without fans I've, I've been to 130 odd they just it's just it is soulless it is unfortunate to be there 
in the flesh and fair play to the players for the intensity that they have been showing, physical intensity, emotional intensity. But without the fans, I mean, John W. Henry really has to know that without fans,